Hello, I'm Leslie Dudley Corbell, and I'm Diane Doucette Matthews. Welcome to The Mind of a Child. We're so glad you've joined us for today's conversation. So let's settle in, grab a cup of coffee or cup of tea, take a deep breath together, and let's see what we might talk about today. Yes, and taking that deep breath hurt a little bit. <laughs> yes, tell <laughs> Want us. Want me to tell you why? <laughs> Please tell us. Well, the other night I was playing with my grandchildren, and I'm not sure exactly what happened. You know, in those instances, you can't recall exactly what happened, but uh, we both jumped off of this little, the back of the truck at the same time, and I was trying to dodge her, and I flew over to the right, and I tucked my arm in, and the next thing I knew, I was landing on my side, and I heard a little crunch. And I broke a rib. So I'm a little sore. So I couldn't take a real, real deep breath. But I think I'm calm. I think I'm calm and I'm ready to discuss. Um, That must have really hurt. It it did. It did. Mm -hmm. But it's getting better. So let's talk about... We've been talking about the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good thing to remember that, you know, when we talk about these boundaries, that as parents, we're setting limits. And we, we, we called them what we're slowly handing the deed to the land, to the property, over to the child. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about them in terms of guardrails. It's almost like we're putting up guardrails like at the bowling alley so that they help them get that bowling ball down to the pins. It's a little hard when that bowling alley is so wide. And so we put these guardrails up to kind of help it help them be successful that night at the bowling alley. So we can kind of think about our parenting limits that we put on as things that are going to help them be successful as they navigate the world and as they learn who they are and they have the freedom to make choices and interact with others. So we're talking about the guardrails we put up as parents for the 18 to 36-month-old all the way up to age six. So that's a lot. That's yeah, a, that's, that's a, a lot span. of years. That is a lot of years, but we're, we've divided it up so it's not as much as it seems. So the first mm-hmm. section, you know, 18 to 36 months, I think the big word that jumped out at me when I was I was looking mm-hmm. at it was consistency at this age. Yes. The consistency allows boundaries and expectations to sink in more so, and it provides safety for them because if the, the boundary lines and the limits are changing all the time, they feel insecure. Mm-hmm. They're not sure. And that's when they're really going to test the lines or the limits. So consistency is very, very important. And so we've just put down some strategies to help you, you know, put these in place. So the first one was set clear expectations. I think that will be a place to start. And I think before you set those in place, you need to talk to your your spouse and make sure you have the same expectations with your spouse. And they're just a few. You can't do a lot for this age. You may be three, you know, and depending on the child, you may add one more, but just boil it down to a few, but make them very, very clear. I think that's a really good idea to keep it small, just a few, a few of them, as you say, almost set them up like commitments for a child. So I think some of the examples we talked about were using gentle hands when playing with our baby sister. And so that might be a one in, in itself that we present to our child for them to focus on because we don't want to throw out a big list of things that we're going to do and expect them to keep them all in their heads. So for a very young child, you're probably going to refer back to it throughout the day. Okay, so what's our what's our commitment today? What's our what, what is our desire today? What is it we're going to do today? What is it we're going to practice today? However you want to phrase it. 
remind your child of it and notice them when they are doing it. Oh, you used gentle hands because it's so easy for this age group just to, you know, just to hit and, you know, that's the way they express Mm -hmm. themselves and they don't understand that that could hurt another child. So when you see them do that, just gently take their hand and show them, you know, put their hand on your face and put it on their face, moving it real slowly and just say, that's gentle. And you can even do it Mm -hmm. to, you know, if you have a little baby in the house and say, oh, look, look at them smiling. They love it when it's slow and gentle. Practice it with them and let them see what gentle hands really look like. Yeah, because, you you know, when we're talking about 18 months, we're talking about mm. young children who really don't even have a concept of other people yet. Mm-hmm. So often if they hit another child their age and that, that child makes a noise, they might do it again just because, like, oh, that was interesting, mm-hmm. cause and effect. When I, hit, when I hit this object over here next to me, it makes a sound. Let me try it again. So it's important to just keep remembering that they're not really seeing that interaction the way we're seeing it. They don't really have that concept of others. And so that's something we're helping them learn. Another one may be listen to one another. A good way to do that is you can say, okay, well, I just listened to daddy and now it's my turn to talk. So now it's your turn to talk, Timmy, you know, Mm -hmm. and just take turns and show them what it looks like. And that may not be what you value in your home. You know, Mm -hmm. for us, it was good manners. So yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. Please. You know, it just depends on what the value is in your home. Do you remember some of the things that you valued when you were raising your kids? Siblings playing together Mm. without disagreement. and Now, there was disagreement, but being able to handle those disagreements and, and enjoying one another's company, that was always very important to me. What about we go back to the sitting in the high chair? Oh, yes. <laughs> was that important? Oh, yes, definitely. I would say sitting and being safe, mm-hmm. abs- absolutely important. Obeying mom and daddy? Yes, that's always a good thing to work on. Um, <laughs> we know there's no perfection ever attained in that. With my children, with I would dare say everyone's children, there's not going to be perfection in that. And so that's something, a goal that we definitely want to keep working towards and helping our children learn. So the first point is just set the clear expectations. And this could be where you and your spouse figure out your family values. You know, there could be a long list of family values, but only, you know, to an 18-month to a 36-month, you're just going to do a couple. And I even like starting off with our family value is to love God. Yes. And to love others. And so what that looks like then can be very different from each family. So the next one would be start early. And we've even talked about this a little bit already. Just start as early as you possibly can. So the example with the gentle hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, as early as one, you can start showing your child what gentle hands look like. Yeah, and their receptive language is going to understand. We can narrate these things. Let's say those gentle hands aren't so gentle with their baby (laughs) sister. We can say, see her face. Her face is saying she doesn't like it. Mm. We're always trying to direct their attention to the other child to raise their awareness of what their actions happen. Yes, it's all about teaching and training. And that's what bringing in that boundary or that limit, just showing them what it looks like. Then the Mm -hmm. next one is be a role model. Yes, be a role model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> we we can't expect the children to have behaviors that we're not going to live out ourselves. A good way to think about, I'm gently touching baby sister, like we're going to use the same example, and see how the babies smile. And so just in the course of a day, you can just give examples all the time, the way you're doing something mm-hmm. and say, I'm letting daddy talk, and now I'm going to talk, and then it's going to be your turn to talk. Just stop and let each person talk mm-hmm. and take turns and listen to one another. Yeah, and I think I've even seen research that showed what children observe and the relationship between the mom and the dad is almost even bigger than what they experience themselves. Mm. So yes, modeling what you want your child to do, modeling that with your spouse is very important. Model everything and talk about it along the way. In a course of a day, there's so many things that you can say what you're doing, explain it to them. And uh, and I good. like how you point out it's in the course of the day. So when we have these conversations about obedience and um, children obeying their parents, me obeying God, it's in the context of conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not in that moment when there's a hint of defiance or hint. It's not used as a threat mm-hmm. or a, a lecture. At that moment in time when the child is kind of is a little caught up in some emotion, it's just for daily learning and talking. Yes. And that that I think they're more open to hear it. Yes. And listen to it. They're they're just like, you know, they want to learn. Child is just give me more. They're sponges. So yeah, when it's not during anything like a confrontation, oh my goodness, that's the best time to yeah. to go over that. So practice new skills. We've talked about that a lot. Discipline is discipling, teaching, learning. So yes, practice. Mm -hmm. Teach your child what it is you want them to know. Teach your child the expectation. Mm -hmm. And make it fun. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this a lot, just all the games that you can play with your kids to uh, teach obedience or responding and Mm self-control. Simon Says, musical chairs. We always call this, uh, they call it traffic lights, but we always call it red light, green light. One of the kids is staying at the end and says, red light, green light. You know, when they turn around and say, red light, everybody has to stop. Just teaching them to respond. What about freeze dance? Have you ever heard about that one? Yes, that is so fun. That is so fun. I think we should do that. Yes. And, And film it. No, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm yeah. down. I'm down for it. I know you'd be down. <laughs> but I think that's a good thing to remember, too, is that self-control, children aren't born with that. Mm. And mm-hmm. so recognizing that that's something that we build within them. That's right. And every child, different ages, they may have different levels of self-control. And so as long as we keep that idea of developing self-control in them mm-hmm. and, and not looking at the absence of self-control as, as disobedience. Sometimes it's it's something that we're developing within them. And if they don't, uh, just rethink it. Say, go back to the drawing board. Maybe the limits are too wide. So when we think about breaking it into smaller increments, so instead of saying, go clean up your room or pick up the toys, we could say, I'm going to come in and I'm going to help you. Let's pick up the small little blue blocks first you know, and just help them do that first. Or let's pick up the dolls first, or let's pick up the trucks first. Break it up for them so that they can understand mm-hmm. what it looks like to pick it up. And that's that's yeah. one example. You can think of many different examples. It could be very overwhelming to walk into an area that needed to be cleaned up and mm. not be able to focus, especially for a young child. For me too. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it can be very helpful to break it down into tests. Like you mentioned, that's a mm-hmm. great idea. It can also be helpful to give the child a choice. What do you want? Where do you want to begin? 
give them some ownership to start. Oh, you chose to pick up the dolls first. All right, let's go. Mm. And so, you know, to guide and encourage them that way too. Whatever one you decide to choose or, you know, you see that they need it to be broken down mm-hmm. and that's great. From there on, make sure you're consistent. Like we, we started, consistency mm-hmm. allows boundaries and ex- expectations to be set, providing the children mm-hmm. with a sense of safety. So you want to go into all those with um, the idea that you need mm-hmm. to be consistent. And if you're not, you just go, oops, okay, let's start again. That's right. And I want to point out that we started talking about 18-month-olds and 36-month-olds, but the things that we're saying right now really are applicable all the way up to the age of six. You're going to be, you're going to be taking these little steps all the way. So, Or even uh, to my age. Yes. <laughs> Some of those. Be consistent. <laughs> Consistency is key throughout. Yes. It is. Now we're going to go on to three to five-year-olds. That's a big one. Yes, and so it's all the things we've talked about so far. Mm -hmm. Children learn through play, through doing things, through interacting with us, the environment. So giving them opportunity to cook, to help with chores all along the way helps give them skills. They can learn time management. I mean, we're, we're just, we just give them this one. We've slowly now placed those guardrails a little bit farther out, yes. giving them a little bit more space, a little bit more room to practice, a little bit more. Let's think about this way. They are now really entering a stage of sibling relationship and play. You can start seeing them play together now more because, you know, two-year-olds, they were doing a lot of parallel play. Now they're really interacting with one another. So there's a whole new area mm-hmm. of interactions that we'll be teaching them how to handle that. And even if they don't have siblings, now they're starting to see the, the world and how they interact with other peers at school or at church, mm-hmm. family. They start noticing mm-hmm. other people, community. I mean, it's, it's starting to really widen. How do we teach them to interact with other people? I think it's important to not overlook the importance of um, the importance of <laughs> the, the importance of the importance <laughs> to not overlook it. There's simple skills like play entry. Mm. May I play with you? Mm-hmm. Simple skills of may I have a turn? You know, so many conflicts, and I know I said this before in some episode, but so many conflicts at school and at home start when there's a problem with play entry and, and materials. And so let's teach our children how to do that. Let's teach them how to navigate this idea of taking turns. Let's talk through that. Yeah. What would that look like? Well, that would look like I'm going to teach my child how to say, turn please, or play please, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, whatever their language ability is. May I play with you? Mm -hmm. May I have a turn? I'm going to teach them to say those things. Maybe tap the person on the shoulder, say their name. Mm -hmm. May I have a turn? That's a skill that kids may or may not pick up on. Now, let's say they don't have siblings at home, but they go to preschool and you want them to learn these skills. Practice it with them. Play with them and practice those skills with them. You tap them on the shoulder and say, Mary, may I have a turn, please? Mm -hmm. Or Mary, may I play with you? And start modeling that for them. Then they're going to go to school and be the one with all the skills. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, though. Yeah. That will eliminate a lot of bickering and arguing and maybe even biting at a young age. And teach children also how to say no Mm. and how to say stop. Let's say they have been bitten by a peer, hit by a peer, or had a toy taken away by a peer. Give them the words to say, stop, I don't like it when you take my toy without asking. And we talked about this even when they were a year old. So that Mm -hmm. start early with that to teach them that boundary for sure. And I remember one time working at the church nursery 
and there were some children who were playing with Play-Doh. And one little girl had all the Play-Doh. And another little girl came up and wanted to play with some of the Play-Doh too. You know, the other little girl was just so busy playing with it and she wasn't giving any to the other. And I said, oh, see her face? Her face is saying that she would really like to play with Play-Doh with you. So the little girl with all the Play-Doh gave her just a tiny, (laughs) tiny amount of Play-Doh and then looked at me to see what I thought about it. And I said, oh, see her face? Her face is saying she really likes that that you gave her Play-Doh and now she can play too, knowing that it was a tiny amount and there was nothing she could do with it. But the little girl then connected with the other girl that had come up to play with her. It didn't take her five seconds before she gave her half the Play-Doh because she was like, now I get it. We're playing together and I want to share some of this Play-Doh with her. So they will do it. We just encourage it, give them the words. And think through that. If you would have said, no, give more, you know, if mm-hmm. you would have come at it with a negative comment. But no, you gave empathy, compassion, gentleness, encouragement. encouragement. Yeah, Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as you deal with your kids, that's what brings out the best in them too. When you come at it that way, that's the way they're going to respond to the kids too. For me, that really kind of settles into that idea of boundaries. I mean, we Mm -hmm. could look at it that and say, well, no, that little girl, one little girl was defining her boundaries as, no, this is all my Mm Play-Doh. But we want our children to have heart for others, to to serve one another and to think others have needs. And I want to share my Play-Doh with her Mm -hmm. so that we can have this time together. And when she saw the joy on that little girl's Mm -hmm. face, it made her desire to want to do that. Yes. So um, let's talk about at this stage, children will test you. The way to combat that stand your ground on non-negotiables. There are negotiable Mm -hmm. things that you want to give them choices for sure. I mean, at this age or even younger, they just want choices. But non-negotiables, if you say, no, this is the line and communicated in them clearly that this is the line. For it to be a really a boundary or a limit that you have set to help the child meet, you have to remain calm and composed. If you, and I know I've done it, I would have a little moment of frustration because <laughs> maybe my day had been hard too, but it's it's so important and we can be so much more effective when we are calm and rest in that authority of, our, of the limit that we have set mm-hmm. and just hold it. That's all we have to do in a very compassionate way. You were hoping you could stay outside longer. It's time to come in. We don't yeah. have to get into a power struggle. That's right. We don't have to do that. Yeah, and I think another strategy we can throw in there too is when we have that non-negotiable that we really want to enforce, that we need to enforce, whether right. it's it's time to eat supper and they're wanting to play and they need to wash their hands before they eat, whatever you want to go okay, with. They have but to wash their hands. They, they have I to mean, wash their hands because their hands have mud all over them. And I really do want them, I have chosen as a parent that I want them to wash their hands. And and you can also use this if you're potty training and you've come in from school or something and you want them to go on the potty. First then, first potty, then play. Mm. First potty, then play. And so that can kind of be a helpful thing to help children when you're when you're really trying to You really want them to come home and get on the potty first before they start playing. That's part of your training. First and then is a helpful way. And then adding pictures to that can be helpful if you're still trying to reinforce that idea of this non-negotiable that we're going to go on the potty first. 
keeping it calm. I know I've kind of gone off into a whole nother topic but of potty good. training. That's, but that's very but just, helpful. Yeah. yeah. Cause this is the age yeah. or even a little bit younger, but still that's a great subject. Yeah. You know, that that's very helpful for whoever's listening to us. Somebody needed yeah. to hear that. <laughs> Somebody needed to hear that. So be consistent and predictable with your boundaries. It will build trust and reduce anxiety. Since we were talking about children testing, I think it's important to say, you know, children will test you and, and, and test those limits. And mm-hmm. it's not that they're being disobedient. It's that they're trying to figure out where those limits are. Mm-hmm. And they want to know for sure that's where that limit is. And so mm-hmm. I keep testing, is that where the limit is? Is that where it is? And you'll also see then siblings sometimes telling the other child where the limit is. And and I know for some people that can be, I've heard parents maybe say to the child, you're not the mom, I'm the mom, you know, kind of from, a, which to me is kind of from an emotional state a little bit. Really, if we can look at that as the way is the child is just trying to figure out that's the boundary. I'm seeing that boundary there, right? That's the boundary. <laughs> and so they're just reinforcing their own learning and trying to be helpful in that moment. Yeah. So let's move on to, at this stage, some, some relational boundaries that we, we might want to remind parents of, how to help with conflict resolution yes. at different ages. And so I think that's a, a place for it. I think it's important to add to that some sort of relationship repair. You've talked about how you would have your children ask for forgiveness yes. for when they did something. We thought it was very important. That was one of our values to not say, I'm sorry. Because we thought mm-hmm. that was so flippant and anybody can say, I'm sorry. So we had our children say, would you please forgive me for? And so we would we would talk about it before. What what are you asking forgiveness for? You know, mm-hmm. are you asking forgiveness for hurting that other person, for hitting them? Or for, you know, you can fill in the blank. But that was a value in mm-hmm. our home that they would have to go to the other person. And it, we didn't put a time on it. I mean, we wouldn't make them do it in this amount of time. But they, you know, to go to that other person and say, would you please forgive me for? Yeah, and I, I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny, even after they got married or dating, they said, you know what, my spouse, uh, they didn't do like that. They just say, I'm sorry. And I said, well, maybe you should teach him. Yeah. Well, so different families do different things. They do. But I think this is something we can all mm-hmm. learn from because you're right. I'm sorry doesn't always carry no. that weight and anyone can say that. But going that extra step to yes. seek forgiveness, it repairs the relationship. And yeah. you can move forward because we're all going to make mistakes. Yeah. Your children are going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. On a funny side, when we first got married, Hank would say, I'm sorry. And I'd say, you are. You are sorry. <laughs> you are a sorry person. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, when somebody says I'm sorry, it just kind of, it's one of my little ding. One of your kinda, things. Yeah, it kind of yeah. gets yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Good one to teach your child as early as possible if if that's what you, you like it from hearing the same. Yeah, because we so. it, it helps yeah. them know we all have we all make mistakes, we all seek mm-hmm. forgiveness and we can and, all and move God forward. Wants us to come to him and say, Please forgive me for he wants us to yeah. say what it is. Do you you ready to move to six and eight year olds? Yeah, I think you know the things we want to talk about here, because again, all of the things that we've talked about before will mm-hmm. apply to this age too. It may look sound look different, sound different, but it's still the same. But you know, children again are learning to be more independent, slowly taking still taking those guardrails just a little bit farther out or a little bit lower, however you want to describe it, giving them a little bit more of their property, not a lot, <laughs> so just six. But, you know, one of, the, one of the examples that comes to my mind is 
the first and second graders who forget papers at home. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take a moment to say, you know your child. I don't necessarily like it when I see schools that have the signs up and want you to not bring your things to your child at school. Because I think the goal is that we want to help them learn how to remember their papers. So how can I support my child as they learn this skill of organization or whatever it might be? You know, maybe do I want to put pictures at the door to help them remember these things? So I think there's some amount of we're slowly handing over to them ownership of what they need to have at school the next day. But I think we also want to help them develop those skills and not just hope they figure it out. And a lot of times when they're that young, it's really our fault that they're not organized enough or we haven't trained them enough. So, yeah, we've talked about this. Because Uh, truth mm. be told, we may like that skill of organization ourselves, which is why we might not have taught it to them. Yeah, because we're doing it all and we (laughs) hadn't taught them how to do it. Or we're not doing it either. Like maybe my paperwork is a little little less than organized is what I'm saying. Yeah, I thought you were saying that you do like it. Often the skill that we lack is also the skill that our children need to be taught Mm. because we haven't necessarily modeled it for them. So, yeah, we can help them learn those skills, but we may be learning them along the way too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a good point. That's a good point. Another thing we want to come in with is that, you know, consequences do have a role in helping us learn our boundaries and learn how to manage our feelings within our boundaries and how to problem solve. And so the one thing about consequences that I want to bring up is the more we can put ownership or let our children take ownership of their choices Mm -hmm. and what that ends up with, what the outcome of those choices might be for them is essentially the consequence. And we don't have to spend a whole lot of time making up things that are going to happen to them. And I also wouldn't say that a one blanket consequence for everything is that's not going to be effective. So an example I was thinking of, let's say that I have let my six-year-old start going outside and playing after school in the yard. And there's an expectation we've gone over it. I've taught them to it that at five o'clock when I call you for supper, you know, you can play in our yard and in the neighbor's yard. And when I call you for supper, you come in. And we've done that over and over and over. So now something has happened and they haven't, they've also understood that they're to call me if they go into the neighbor's house. And they haven't done that. I go to the door, I call them to come in they don't come in. A consequence for that would be me setting up, well, you can choose to play outside and play in our neighbor's yard or call me if you go in and choose to continue to play outside for the next few days. Or you can choose to play inside the next few days. So by that was a long description of one, but by giving that ownership to the child's choices... Yeah, you can choose to do this and get to keep playing outside, or you can choose to do this and have to come inside. I've taught you the rules and the expectations. I know you know them, and you can do them. Yeah. And so that consequences then help children learn how to navigate that, and they're basically going to choose the consequence. They're going to choose. Yeah, yeah. it's Here not it you giving yeah. the consequence; yeah. it's their choice. You know, this is the last of our episodes, at least for now, on our boundary series. Think of it in terms of, again, you're slowly giving these property lines away to the child. They are learning under your care skills like empathy, how to love one another, how to love others, 
how to manage their own feelings, that self-control, and how to perceive the world so that they can grow into the people that God wants them to be. And so we hope that these thoughts about boundaries and your role as a parent and your child developing boundaries and then developing character are going to be helpful to you. Thank you for this time. We um, ask you, Lord, just to pass this information on that it would uh, benefit the ones that are listening in ways that they need. And we thank you for the boundaries that you put on us because we know it's because you love us and you want to protect us. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Check out our Instagram at themindofachildpod.com. Or you can email us at themindofachildpodcast at gmail.com.